This is Phil Donahue, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are long yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room they up the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down, the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town, the opening when your heart beats like a drum, the closing when the customers don't come, Before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn And top of that, your partner have parted You're broken-hearted, but you go on There's no people like show people They smile when they are long Even with a turkey that you know will hold You may be stranded out in the cold Still you wouldn't change it Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. Hope everything's going smoothly for you. We are now six days away from the next Super Bowl. I have to say it because that's what everybody is talking about down here at the radio station and has been for a while now, but uh, it's kind of a countdown. If you listen to some of the other shows here on the station, they'll be counting it down, of course, even though we're not a sports station uh, strictly, but we're a community station, and that's all part of the community. With me on the show today, uh, a friend from the Jewish Community Center, Keith Whedon-Keller. I'm supposed to call it the J now, so uh, uh, too bad for me, Keith. Welcome to the show. Great to have you. 
Well, great, Michael. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Sure. You have lots of things going on over there all the time. And it's a beautiful theater, folks, if you've never been there. It, that is a gorgeous theater. And in the past, uh, public relations people have said to me uh, they could do shows in the vein of the new theater and be successful if they did that down there. They have such a good facility. So that's a compliment to you and the Whites. Uh, for Thank you. Uh, for doing all of that. Cur the show currently on the boards, and we have a lot to talk about today, is called Kinky Boots, and uh, tells yep. me that there's some controversy going on with that. But first off, why don't you tell them about Kinky Boots? It runs, uh, by the way, it's currently running, I should say, yeah. and will yeah. run through, is it the middle of February, Keith? Sure. Yeah, we opened on uh, January 28th and running for four weekends, so we close on February 19th. It sounds like a fun show to me. <laughs> tell, tell them briefly yeah. what it's about. It's a musical, of course. Yeah, so it's a Broadway musical that uh, uh, premiered on Broadway actually not that long ago, I think uh, 2013, something like that. And then uh, they had a national tour on 2016 and 2017, which closed in 2018. And it hasn't been seen on a stage in Kansas City since it, it passed through here in 2016 on its Broadway tour. So that's that's pretty exciting for us. Uh, it's a great musical uh, book by Harvey Firestein, who hopefully your, your listeners will remember from his various roles across the years and his amazing writing, and music by Cyndi Lauper. So it's a wonderful musical. Uh, it's, it actually was inspired by some true events that happened in England uh, uh, just around the um, the turn of the millennium, and uh, it, it really it deals with um, a young man who inherits his father's failing shoe company, um, and this is actually the part of the story that's true, uh, that's based on truth. And he he discovers a niche market to revitalize his shoe factory, um, and that is um, women's shoes for um for men uh who are in this case uh performing you know like drag drag uh <laughs> entertainers you know because obviously men are statistically usually larger than women and so there's an issue with what sort of weight and what size they can be and all that so um, so the idea was that that business would uh, would be revived by uh, by providing for this new niche market, if you will, and and then the musical story goes on from there and expounds on that and has just a, a great deal of fun. It is an absolute joy machine uh, to watch and listen to. Great dance numbers, great music. Um, uh, just some amazing staging, uh, and uh, I guarantee you, I mean, everybody that comes out of the show comes out smiling. Do you have at your fingertips uh, some of the names of the performers or director in the show? Oh, sure. Well, um, we're being directed by Tim Baer, who is the producing artistic director of Theater, Theater in the Park. And for several years now, Tim has directed about one show a year for us here uh, at, at the White Theater at the J. He's, he's an amazing director with a great artistic eye and, uh, and is very good at working with actors, especially actors in the community theater world, because the Theater in the Park, as we are, are community theaters. 
So we all of our actors are volunteers, and, and it's really just amazing the level of talent uh, that we get uh, given that, who are people who are just sort of doing it for the love of the craft and the show. But uh, Tim's our director. Uh, Liz Ernst is our choreographer, and she's uh, she's done lots of work here in town and has her own studio um, and is an accomplished performer and choreographer. Uh, the... Uh, some of the key roles, uh, which uh, people may have seen before, uh, Robert Vardaman uh, is actually playing the role of Lola, who is the the main, um, I'll just say a drag queen, who uh, who Charlie, the young man, meets up with to come up with this idea of revitalizing the shoe factory. Uh, and Robert is uh, is a great performer. He's uh, got an amazing voice, has done work across the metro area at the Black Rep, the KC Rep, um, uh, MTH, uh, just an incredible voice, good, great actor, great dancer, um, and looks pretty good in a cocktail dress, too. So... Um, <laughs> Um, so the uh, and then um, Zane Champier is actually playing the role of Charlie, and he does again a fantastic job. And he's done work here at the White Theater before, and Theater in the Park, and has done some some directing as well. He was actually in our production last year of Surviving Hitler, one of the new works that we've commissioned here at the White Theater at the J. Um, a couple of other uh, folks that are in the show that you um, that you might recognize uh, Guy Gardner, uh, oh, who sure. uh, yeah. is a kind of a fixture here uh, at the J, but also in other theaters around town here. He's done some directing for us. In fact, he directed our most recent production of uh, Matilda and the Adams Family, and um, but he's in the show. Uh, the cast is comprised of, I'm going to say, 80% of the cast are people that have come back who have been in shows with us before. Uh, when we did auditions for this show, we uh, were blessed with the ability to choose among, I mean, I think we had over 60 people audition for 20-something roles, so we we uh, there were people just coming out of the woodwork that wanted to be in this show, and we were able to pick just some amazing folks. You know, they made the decision, the casting decisions, really hard. Oh sure, yeah. And being a fun show like this is, I can see why they'd want to do that. See, they can see when something's going to be fun and popular ahead of time. We, we all sometimes we just have an innate thinking that 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 will be the case. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, and for us, it's especially important to do to do shows that people want to be in. Because again, since we're all of our actors are volunteers, uh, you know, we depend on on uh, sort of the goodwill of the community to to cast our shows, and so that's a big factor when we plan every season. Is it's not just about what the audience wants. Uh, we have to think in terms of what are some sh shows out there that'll be interesting interesting and intriguing for uh, for our uh, amazing talent pool that's in the Kansas City area. Oh, sure. um, and so we've attracted people to this cast who who in, in other circumstances are actually paid, uh, you know, to perform, but they're doing it for free for us because they love the show. Sure, yeah. We're speaking, by the way, with Keith Wiedenkeller, the Director of Arts and Culture. Didn't give you a proper introduction, so I better. Before <laughs> The Director of Arts and Culture. 
and uh, culture over at the J, as we uh, as we call the uh, Jewish Community Center now. Uh, so so I'm trying my best, Keith, to call you the J with all that's, that's going okay. on. Uh, but that's okay. Since you mentioned uh, theater in the park and auditions in the last few minutes, mm-hmm. for instance, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably too late for them to audition for Raisin in the Sun, but perhaps not too late to audition for uh, the summer production, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? That's correct. Uh, auditions for that show, um, if, you, if you look at the, the White Theater uh, Facebook page or on our website at thejkc.org, you'll, you'll see uh, audition announcements. Auditions will be coming up for... Uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, our summer show, uh, that'll be happening toward the end of April. Um, The date uh, escapes me at the moment, but I think it's somewhere around April 29th, if that that sounds about right to me, uh, at the end of April. Yeah. Yeah, I might be incorrect on this, but my my memory, fading as it is, (laughs) there once was a show that played at the J, and then and then continued its run over at Theater in the Park. Now, sure. do any of these tell me about that show and do any of these shows apply to that? Yeah, we um we actually in the past have done several co-productions um and uh and one of the partners that we co-produce with occasionally in the past has been Theater in the Park. Um, we haven't done that exact uh, format in a in a few years, um, mainly because it forces us to cut short our run. Um, because in the past, uh, the, the shows you're thinking of, uh, I think the last time we did that would have been in 2017, and that was Beauty and the Beast, was a co-production with the park. Um, and what happened in those circumstances is we would run three weekends here, and then it would move the entire show, set, cast, costumes, props, everything, would move to the park and then run for three more weekends there. So it just makes for a super long engagement for the cast, for one thing. Um, and then, as you might imagine, um, a lot of technical challenges about building a set that can be packed up and moved across the city um, that you don't have to worry about otherwise. So for a lot of good reasons, we sort of drifted away from that model for co-production. And, and lately, we've been doing more co-productions um, as we have in, uh, with other theaters like the Black Rep uh, for Raisin in the Sun. Um, and last season, also with the Black Rep, we co-produced Memphis. But all, those shows all happened exclusively on our stage even though we were partners with with that organization for for those shows in the past we've also uh we've also co-produced uh, shows with the coterie again the same thing when we did newsies um we co-produced that with with the coterie and yet um the the show didn't travel anywhere afterwards it simply did uh four weekends here at, at on the white theater stage because Frankly, our stage is is built for those big shows. Yeah, it certainly is. It's a big stage. Uh, Keith once uh, gave me the backstage tour and got to see how uh, was it Peter Pan? Peter Pan? Yes, I think it may was, have been. Yeah. Was was flying through the air. Right. <laughs> and how all that worked, and uh, they can do that at the J. There's yeah. Some, yeah. every theater yeah. can't do that at the J. They can do that. Thanks, of course, to. Uh, the whites, as I, you know, them. Mm-hmm. You probably, I think I 
met the gentleman one time. He's deceased now, as I understand it. Yeah, Lewis and Shirley White, our, our uh, blessed memory, are have moved on, uh, but uh, they still have family here. Um, actually, their their daughter, Sandy Freed, is on our theater advisory committee, um, and, and their estate and their fund uh, continues to support what we do here, in addition to being the majority donors that helped build the theater in 2005. Yeah, has it been that long already? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. I yeah. I go way back as a as a young person. <laughs> I I appeared over at the Resident Theater. That's when the center was over. It was between Truston Homes, as I recall, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a yeah. nice theater. It later became part of the uh, Kansas City School District, I believe. I don't know what's there now. I I don't. Yeah, but... the the building is still there, but I, I think it's unoccupied, sadly. Um, but yeah, that that's where the old uh, the the Jewish Community Center was located uh, before the late eighties when it moved out here to our current campus at 115th and Knoll uh, for many years. In fact, the first show that I ever saw uh, that was produced by the, by the Jewish Community Center was at the, that location. Um, and you're right, at that time it was, it was referred, it was uh, called the Resident Theater, uh, which actually was, a, was one of the first and most successful community theaters in the Kansas City area. It was started in 1932. Michael, um, a group of people got together and wanted to create, according to their charter, uh, a place not only where people could see Broadway and Broadway-style shows uh, in a more accessible way, i.e. without having to pay as much, but also be in those types of productions. And so that was the birth of the Resident Theater in 1932, and it was housed in the Jewish Community Center at the time. I think it was on Linwood, actually, back then. Um, and then ultimately moved to that uh, location between Holmes and Troost uh, around 81st or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then out here to our, our campus that we're part of out here. Yeah, occasionally someone will ask me, why did the center move from there? And my answer is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, Jewish community center, <laughs> the center of the Jewish community, <laughs> kind of moved to the west. So why not sure. move the center west along with yeah. uh, the community at large? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as you know, our, uh, the, 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 the J serves the entire Kansas City community, but, but obviously um, part of our mission here is to, is to be a safe place and, and a community center for our Jewish community, which uh, along with the rest of, of a lot of, of the residential uh, community uh, around the time that that move happened, started to move farther south. And so, yeah, I mean, we had to uh, the the organization obviously wanted if you're going to be a community center you want to be in sort of a center or central location for your community and at that time um, you know right or wrong uh, depending on your perspective uh, you know that's where people were moving to I mean when I went to high school out here at Shawnee Mission South there was literally nothing south uh, of 107th Street where Shawnee Mission South was. And obviously, uh, since then, you know, we've expanded 
quite a bit in the southerly direction. So, you know, at that time, the J would have been, uh, you know, on that Holmes location. And, and obviously, as the residential growth of the city, you know, sort of bulged outward into Johnson County, it, I, I think, uh, was a pretty logical move to move uh, to where we are now. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful building and it's a beautiful theater as especially and uh, lots of events take place there and we're going to cover some of those uh, uh, sure. over, over the course of the interview here today but uh, I should take it back now because look how far off a field I've gotten Keith talking about this started off talking about kinky boots that is appearing yeah. currently mm-hmm. at the J the Jewish Community mm-hmm. Center uh, and that is at 5801 West 115th Street in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, zip code, if you need to map quest things, 66211. And uh, if that doesn't help, the Sprint Campus is near there. I guess they don't call it the Sprint Campus anymore because it belongs the to T-Mobile. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you can see the, their buildings uh, right near yeah. you. Oh, I, absolutely. I, yeah, we're right adjacent, adjacent to the campus. Yeah, yeah, you're just right in the heart of things over there, mm-hmm. which which makes it good for all of this. The show, Kinky Boots, is running currently uh, and runs through February the 19th. And the, mm-hmm. the number to call for more information, I believe this is the box office number, but you correct me if I'm not right. 913-327-8054. Or they can correct. go online and it's thejkc.org. We're speaking with Keith, Keith Keller, the Director of Arts and Culture for the center, and so far we've just talked about one uh, one show, but they have many events after that. I'm sure that shortly after Kinky Boots, they'll have another uh, wonderful production of some kind over there. That doesn't mean you have to be Jewish to become a member of the Jewish Community oh, Center. No. No, in fact, uh, over 60% of our members are actually are not Jewish. So we like to think of ourselves as a community center um, that is based on on Jewish values, which, which interestingly, are, are, are kind of the base values that you would find uh, really in any community. You know, we, we focus on treating others as, they, as you would like to be treated. We focus on building community. We focus on, on welcoming the stranger and taking care of each other and all of those things that, that I think most of us would say are important to, to our own in our own individual lives. So, um, but we also do that, um, you know, through a Jewish lens sometimes, and, and we like to be a resource for the Jewish community as well as a resource for the entire community. So no, you don't have to be Jewish to come to a show here. You don't have to be Jewish to join our world-class fitness center or to participate in any of the great programming or educational things that we have going on here. We have a great heritage center here that is focused on senior living. Um, there's just all sorts of resources for folks. Uh, we're really, there's something for everybody here. Uh, and, you know, yeah, you don't have to be Jewish to come to see something or participate. You don't have to be Jewish to work here. I don't happen to be Jewish. You don't have to be Jewish to be in a show here or to, or to be a trainer here or any of those things. 
things. Uh, it's just that gives us a foundation uh, from which we uh, from which we we do everything that we do here. Yeah, it gives uh, a foundation for all of those things and and mm-hmm. the community and all kinds of things like that. That's uh, yeah. that's what things like that are for. If there were more con- community <laughs> engagement all across the metropolitan area, uh, I think it'd be a lot. Uh, you know, a lot better as far as people getting along. I heard the comment just a few days ago that uh, uh, some people aren't interested in sports. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I realize all the listeners on this program probably aren't interested in sports. But the success of the Chiefs in recent years and the success of the Royals in years prior to that, uh, just think how much that brought the community together. The, the, the oh, days when they yeah. had their big uh, celebrations at Union Station, mm-hmm. as crowded as I've ever seen in this part of town. And yeah. yeah. Pe- I mean, I think any, anything that uh, where, where you come together with a shared interest is going to be a great opportunity to, uh, to help minimize differences. And really, Michael, that's... That's kind of what we feel like our mission here is at the White Theater is, you know, you might ask the question, you know, what's what's Jewish about kinky boots? And and the answer is, you know, nothing explicitly <laughs> Jewish no. about kinky boots. What's 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 Jewish or what's consistent with our mission here about doing a show like kinky boots um, is that first and foremost, it reinforces the values of welcoming and inclusivity uh, of treating others as you'd like to be treated. But also we bring in an audience from across the metro area from varying backgrounds from varying perspectives who might have different political viewpoints etc and you can sit them down in a, in a in a theater and have them share an experience and cheer at the same things and laugh at the same things and cry at the same things um, and that helps build the community and that's what we're here for so you know we take it pretty seriously that that's that's kind of our mission yeah, I I don't know who would be offended by a show like that. Maybe the shoe industry. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I I think you know, uh, cards on the table. Uh, uh, you know, the, the as I said, the, the one of the main characters is a drag performer. So that's a performer, a male performer that performs in female clothing, and it's done for entertainment value, for uh, to to kind of get people to loosen up and have fun. Um, and there are several other characters in the show. Um, Lola is the name of the character in Kinky Boots, and Lola has a group of angels who are the, the his four backup singers, and those are all four men in drag. And they dance, and they sing, and they wear these outlandish, beautiful costumes, and they're amazingly talented. Um, and, and it's just all, you know, that's, that's not a new thing. I mean, uh, We've, as as a civilization, had fun with that topic for hundreds of years. I mean, Shakespeare wrote plays with well, people wearing clothing right. that wasn't of their <laughs> of their gender. I mean, even above the fact that it went, that it at the time all of the actors were male, but but even in a show like As You Like It, where the the main character Roslyn, what she does is she dresses up like a man and acts like a man the entire show, uh, in order to you know to fool. Uh, 
uh, to fool folks and to advance the plot. Um, you know, there are musicals out there. Uh, when you think of the show we just did, uh, Matilda, last summer, you know, the the main character, Miss Trunchbull, is is typically played by a man because it's supposed to be this kind of brawny, scary woman. And that's the way that, uh, that Raul Dahl wrote the character and the way it got translated into the stage. So, you know, seeing guys in women's clothing is actually nothing new or, or that big a deal for us, but apparently it's a big deal in, in some parts of the country and becoming a bigger deal for some people here in the Kansas City area. Sir, uh, do you want to get into that, or would you just like oh, to sure. leave it lay no, there? I, I'm, I, there's a, there, I'm happy to talk about in it. In the legislature, there's a, a politician. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, right now there's uh, both the Kansas and Missouri legislatures are considering uh, have had legislation introduced. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful. And frankly, I, I think everyone knows that it's not going to be successful. I think it's just done as a, as a stunt to get attention and to play to a base. But that would make it illegal to perform, uh, to, for a man to perform in women's clothing um, for anybody who's considered a quote-unquote minor. And, and my understanding would mean that's anybody under 18. So, um, which is, I have to say, seems downright insane to me that we're worried about that um, uh, right now uh, with all of the other problems out in the world. But, yeah, so if, if that were passed, then shows like Matilda or some Shakespeare shows or, um, you know, other there are other musicals out there. I mean, I think of the musical Hairspray that typically, in fact, oh, right. yeah. we, talk, we talked about Harvey Firestein a minute ago who wrote the book for for kinky boots i mean he made famous the role of the mother character in in hairspray uh playing that character on broadway and so um you know when people throw these things out there these ideas out there um you know i don't think they think through uh very often you know number one the practicality of it but number two how how silly it is that we're more worried it seems like we're more worried about whether our our children see a man in a dress than we are about what they're taught in school or whether, you know, what sort of things they're exposed to in in other ways. So kind of crazy. And, and obviously, if that were to pass, which, again, I think is incredibly unlikely, um, you know, I think that'd have a very negative effect on the community. And we certainly wouldn't wouldn't be in favor of that and would work, uh, you know, would argue against it because, as I said, it would just it would restrict things and 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 you know specific to kinky boots it would it would mean there's a whole group of young people who wouldn't see this amazing message of affirmation and self acceptance and acceptance of other of each other and love and caring and oh my they can't see it because there's a man up on stage in a dress oh my goodness so, right. uh, so. people remember Milton Berle kind of specialized in that <laughs> well yeah and he was well, in a he that, had a live right? program that was on in the 1950s the 1950s. Yeah. Can't get yeah. much more yeah. conservative than the 1950s in America. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's Absolutely. Right. Great, great, great topic to bring up, I think. Yeah. We're just about yeah. to break time. Can you believe how fast this is going, Keith? Time sure. is just. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm going to have to organize the second half of the show here a little better to get everything okay. in. Speaking with All Keith right, White, Keller, the Director of Arts and Culture for the J, the Jewish Community Center here in Kansas City. Lots more to talk about. 
They have a lot of events going on over there. We want to make you aware of it. All of that when we return. You're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze frame! Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. The broad and goofy comedy 80 for Brady is aimed squarely at the underserved, older movie-going demographic. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Sally Field, and Rita Moreno play elderly fans of New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. They experience some sitcom hijinks when they travel to Houston to watch their hero play in the Super Bowl. It's ostensibly inspired by a true story, but plenty of Hollywood myth has been added to this implausible narrative. 80 for Brady deserves a few yellow flags for corniness, but the veteran cast manages to push it over the goal line. It should be no surprise that filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan's latest effort, Knock at the Cabin, is a twisty psychological horror entry aimed at creeping you out. On that count, it works. Dave Bautista stars in this tale of a family of three held hostage at a remote vacation cabin. Their captors, following the dictates of visions they claim to have experienced, demand that the family sacrifice one of their own in order to prevent the apocalypse. It's well acted, tense, and suspenseful, but Knock at the Cabin is ultimately disappointing because it has nothing to say about the intriguing moral conundrum it presents. In 2009, Australian 16-year-old Jessica Watson attempted to become the youngest sailor to circumnavigate the globe. Tegan Croft plays Watson in the inspirational Netflix drama True Spirit. Anna Paquin plays her supportive mom, and Cliff Curtis portrays a former sailor and Jessica's mentor. It's a well-intentioned depiction of Watson's gutsy undertaking, but this story might have been better served as a documentary. While it's conventional to a fault, True Spirit is a respectable, family-friendly adventure. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Freeze Frame! Tune in every Monday from 3 to 6 p.m. for Mother's Mix, where your host, Lady D, will bring a great mix of music to your afternoon. That's Mother's Mix every Monday from 3 to 6 p.m. right here on KKFI. KKFI values the opinions of our community, and we want you to be heard. Let us know what you think about our programs by going online to the KKFI Listener Survey. Go to kkfi.org survey. And welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host and interview. I'm enjoying immensely. <laughs> Keith Wiedenkeller, the Director of Arts and Culture from the J, the Jewish Community Center. We're talking about a lot of the art things that they do over there. It's a center uh, for all activities. Keith earlier mentioned a, a gym and probably classes and all kinds of things of that nature at the J. We're trying to concentrate on the arts activities. But uh, if you have questions about what they have over there, uh, you can go to their website, thejkc.org, and, of course, any of the uh, uh, activities we've talked about of a theatrical or entertainment nature, or cultural nature. Uh, their box office number is 913-327-8054. 
Keith is uh, uh, is staying on with us. Uh, thanks to him for that. This, this has been very. I've learned a lot just from listening to this, Keith. <laughs> a lot I didn't. <laughs> well, great. Know. Sure. I'm glad to be of service. Kinky Boots, by the way, runs through February the 19th. If uh, our talking about it has. Uh, Caused you to be interested. <laughs> We're going to talk about some other productions they have coming up. Kind of a, what was the word you used? You used it just a few minutes ago. Kind of a co-production with the Black oh, Repertory yeah. Theater of Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. So so every season, Michael, we try to program sort of what I call something for everyone. So, you know, we started off this year with the Adams Family. And uh, as you said, we're in the middle of Kinky Boots right now. And then for the second year in a row, we are uh, participating in a co-production with the Black Repertory Theater uh, of Kansas City uh, with Dameron Russell Armstrong, uh, and uh, he who is directing the show. Um, so we are co-producing a, Ra a Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry's uh, iconic, award-winning play that has been, you know, won all sorts of awards, variously described as the greatest play ever written, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a fantastic show, and we are just honored to be partnering again with the Black Rep on the, on this show that has, again, such a powerful message uh, and is interestingly kind uh, Kind of timely uh, with with uh, with uh, issues around Black Lives Matter and uh, and uh, obviously most importantly with events of these past couple of weeks uh, the the tragedies uh, that have occurred and the ongoing uh, evolution of, uh, of of how we all learn to get along with each other and uh, and to respect each other so raising in the sun is a great show, uh, classic show, uh, and we hope lots of people will come see it. It'll run. It opens on March 11th and runs through the 26th, uh, which is a long time for us for a non-musical. But we wanted to get in as many performances as possible. So that's three over the course of three weekends, and then during the week we'll be having not only evening shows but also weekday matinees uh, for for you know what we're calling student matinees because we're hoping uh, that students will come see it. You know back when I was in grammar school that happened. We we saw lots of things. I I, I mentioned that to you earlier and uh, I think they should get back to doing that in schools. Schools should oh, come to theatrical productions, expose absolutely. the children to this sort of thing, especially a show like Raisin in the Sun and you know, yeah. the, the story of a mother who came into some money. I, I don't remember the exact reason, but she wanted to use it to move her family. You know, her sons, of course, wanted to use it for other things, of course. A, a conflict yeah, yeah. that would be pretty, you know, common probably in the, in those communities. Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's a it's a story that while it's rooted in the late 1950s, uh, the main uh, the the matriarch of the family, her husband has recently passed away and left a sum of money uh, that that, uh, you know, resulted from his death uh, life insurance policy, I think. But um, but, yeah, she decides to use that as an opportunity to move the family who is it's it, it's her and her son and her son's husband and her daughter and so there are a lot of people living in this cramped apartment and they decide to use it to move to a house in this in what I'll call the suburbs uh, uh, you know uh, and uh, you know interestingly uh, 
with with the more recent resurgence of interest in sort of the backstory behind the Kansas City's sort of redlining uh, uh, history, uh, uh, this addresses that sort of head on because uh, you know one of the main one of the main conflicts in the play is that the white neighborhood that they want to move into, uh, not surprisingly, um, doesn't actually want that to happen, and uh, so. It's it's an interesting story that it, it, it explores issues of black identity, of assimilation. Uh, there's a character who who uh, is very much involved in his African heritage, so it 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 explores the different approaches to living into one's heritage and one's uh, one's racial heritage, and uh, and you know family dynamics. Um, motherly love. Uh, I mean, it, it it has so many great uh, great topics that it addresses, and and as I said, uh, co-producing it with the Black Rep uh, once again has proved to be a great experience. As you may remember, we we co-produced uh, the musical Memphis with them uh, last year, uh, last season, and and we're looking forward to another great collaboration this season. Yeah, that's these are wonderful opportunities for. Uh, for Damron to uh, improve the overall focus of the Black Repertory Theater. He started out in rather sparse financial conditions, and uh, uh, he's done a lot of work with that in the last few years. Damron does an amazing job, and the Black Rep, uh, especially given resources, uh, just, I mean, uh, the some incredible work around the city, and uh, as I said, we are we we love working with the Black Rep, and they, uh, you know, they are a great resource and a great partner for us. I mean, uh, face it, you know, uh, operating out here as we are out on 115th and Knoll, if we if we tried to do Raisin in the Sun without a partner like that, um, we, we would have a difficulty casting it, which is a sad but true fact. And so. The, the beauty of our partnership with the Black Rep and the beauty of any collaboration that we do is that each of us brings something to the table that perhaps the other group isn't doesn't have as a strength. And and obviously we can reach communities that we wouldn't be able to normally reach, and the Black Rep, by coming here and performing here, uh, can reach communities that, that they might be uh, have more of a challenge reaching. So it's a great partnership, and we both get a tremendous uh, bump out of it and can feel like we're doing some real good in the process. Certainly, yeah. Now, Raisin in the Sun and its activities will be, be debuting when, Keith? March 11th, and okay. it runs through the 26th. So it opens on March 11th, runs for three weekends. Now, if you're a theatrical producer, that's not very long. <laughs> nope. No, we, we cram in as many performances as we can, but we we try to do so much here on the White Theater stage uh, here at the J. We, we produce typically four um, big shows a year, four concerts a year, and then a series of special engagements as well. Let's talk about Vilna. That is oh, also okay. in March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually in, in April. Um, oh, I see. Vilna, oh. Vilna is the second uh, new work that we have commissioned. It's something we just started doing because, you know, we didn't think we were busy enough. So we, we thought we'd add developing a new play into our into our 
uh, our repertoire here at the White Theater at the J. And so last year, uh, we commissioned the adaptation of the award-winning book Surviving Hitler, uh, which I think I came on your show and talked about uh-huh. uh, at one point. Um, and we adapted that to the stage, and so it made its debut here on the White Theater stage, and hopefully we'll be going on to uh, bigger and better things as, uh, as the life of that show continues. And then this year... We've decided to make it an annual an annual thing to support the creation of a new work that is of special significance or that tells a Jewish story. Uh, and in this case, it's called uh, the the working title of this piece is Vilna, a resistance story. Uh, and it's it's uh, significant in a in many ways, but the two that I'll point out to you is number one, it's a musical. So um, as far as I know, besides Fiddler on the Roof, not a whole lot of musicals that are that are centered around a strictly Jewish story. Um, I mean, there are a handful, of course, but this is a musical that is based on a story that takes place during the Holocaust. So it's it's an interesting topic. It's a tough topic. Um, and it's uh, the other, you know, significant thing about it is that it is a resistance story. You know, so often the tragic stories that we hear about the Holocaust, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, are because they were so common, uh, tragically, uh, focus on, on, you know, the camps and uh, people dying. And um, and while people do die in this story, uh, it is a story of hope and of a group of people, uh, a little-known story of a group of people that stood up to the Nazis in Vilna, which at the, at the time was a city that was a kind of – it moved – uh, at one point, it was part of Poland, and then after the Nazis invaded, they did a treaty with the Soviet Union, and it became part of Lithuania. And then today, I think it's back in Poland. Um, but Vilna or Vilnius uh, was a city uh, in in that part of the country, in that part of the world, that when the Jews were rounded up and forced into a ghetto, the Interestingly, the the artistic community in that town became the core of the resistance to the Nazis, um, both in terms of uh, of getting the word out uh, of artistic resistance, preserving writings and poems and songs, but also in terms of armed resistance. And that it's a true story. It's based on a true story of a group of people that that resisted. Um, that we're not willing to go quietly, and uh, we're not, um, you know. So it's it is while it is a story that is that covers a very um, tragic topic, uh, it is actually a really hopeful story. And so this is an original musical uh, created by Kevin and Allison Cloud, who many of you know in town here uh, is affiliated with Culture House, who we're co-producing the show with. Uh, and uh, and also uh, co-written by uh, a great writer by the name of Lisa Grissom. So we, we're very proud of this, and it'll be opening on April 22nd and running for six performances through April 30th. Um, it's, it's kind of shoehorned into our schedule, so it's not a very long run, but it is a new work, uh, and we're hoping to get it as much exposure as possible in April. Sounds like a very heroic story as well. It is. It is absolutely a heroic story. The the things that those that those people did, 
uh, when when you read through it, it it's it's jaw dropping, really. Certainly, certainly. Now, a guy as I am who grew up in Independence, Missouri, of course, I'm interested in anything Truman. <laughs> and Eddie Jacobson was uh, yeah, a yeah. a best friend of Truman. I guess they served in yeah. World War One together. Uh, they were in That's business right. together, and uh, right. he was influential with the president as far as the creation of the state of Israel. Yeah, so um, May 13th will mark the 75th anniversary of the creation of the state of Israel in 1948. Um, And uh, so we thought we would commemorate that um, by producing this uh, little play. It's a one-man show. Uh, It's called Eddie, uh, with the subtitle, The Friendship That Changed History, because that really is what it did, is Eddie Jacobson and Harry Truman were in the same unit in World War I, um, and uh, they uh, also became business partners. Uh, They formed a haberdashery in downtown Kansas City uh, after the war and then stayed friends after that when when Harry went off to become involved in politics and Eddie became – a sales a salesman and they stayed connected and friends over all of those years and of course um, as as most uh, history students will will remember uh, you know as they approach as we approached 1948 uh, the British were leaving uh, Israel uh, Palestine at the time and uh, and without the creation of a state that was recognized by the United Nations I think it's fair to say most people would say that the state of Israel would not have come into existence. Um, and at the time, there was a lot of – it was a hotly debated topic, and uh, Harry Truman was, uh, was at, the, at that time not tremendously uh, supportive of the idea, not because he was anti-Semitic or didn't uh, like the idea, but he had actually been alienated by a group of folks who came and demanded that he, that he support the initiative in the United Nations, and he – if anyone knows any history about Harry Truman, uh, coming and pounding on his table um, wasn't a way to convince him to do something. And so he, um, there was kind of this moment in time where the state of Israel might not have come into existence had Eddie Jacobson, uh, a Kansas City person who uh, actually was a member of one of our local congregations here, Congregation B'nai Yehuda, um, his family, and um, he essentially talked Harry into supporting the U.N. resolution to create the state of Israel in in 1948. It was created as a Jewish state, as I remember Uh, from history. That's correct. The state of Israel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the interesting thing, one other interesting thing about that is that this is a one-man show, um, and it's it is the show is um, we are actually doing it with uh, with support of, of, of Kansas City Actors Theater, and it is starring uh, a gentleman who you probably will recognize his name, Victor Rader Wexler. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, Victor has done some amazing work in TV, movies, and and many great roles here locally and across the country. And Victor, uh, Victor will be playing the role of Eddie for this show. Yeah, he was uh, in Seinfeld. In fact, he was the doctor. Those of you who are real Seinfeldophiles, he was the doctor who told George that his wife had died. And George's reaction yeah. was not what the doctor expected. 
expected, yeah. <laughs> which was part yeah. of the humor, kind of dark humor, I guess. Right. But that's Victor. And, and, and yeah, he's played Victor's many an roles. amazing guy, amazing guy. And we are so happy to have him performing this role for us. It, we knew it needed to be somebody, you know, with some, with some great acting experience and with some good chops. Uh, and and also, it, you know, it's it's nice to have somebody that has some connections to the Jewish community portraying this role of a very important Jewish person, uh, you know, uh, in the history of the development of our country. So we're we're happy to have have Victor on board with that project, which will it only runs for the weekend though. It only runs May 13th and 14th. So you, your opportunities to see this are very limited. It's a co-production with the with the Truman Library Institute. Uh, we are we are actually uh, working with them on plans to bring in their traveling exhibit uh, of of the creation of the state of Israel and Truman's uh, role in that. That'll be featured here in our lobby uh, for some time around the show, um, and there'll be talkbacks afterwards, and so hopefully some great guests to come in and, and help make it a, a very well-rounded experience. Sure. Uh, that's coming up. Yeah. They may not have been successful business people together, but they were friends, and Jacobson had a tremendous uh, influence with Harry Truman that perhaps others didn't yeah. have. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so kudos to him on that. Yeah. They're, they're wanting to hear about the big summer musical, I'm sure. So there's some of them are out here says, well, what are they doing this summer? They always do something yeah. big in the summer. Boy, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, fantastic show. Obviously, uh, great history. Andrew Lloyd Webber, great musical, a classic, uh, a title no one ever seems to get tired of, and, and obviously a great story as well with a great connection for us here at the J. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat opens July 1st and runs through the 23rd. Uh, great family show. Uh, it's uh, it's a joy to be part of it. In fact, we, we've uh, just had our first production meeting for the show today, uh, and and we are uh, we are happy to get the ball rolling on that one uh, and, and looking forward to that being a great way to cap off uh, our, 20, our, 19, our, our 2022 23 season. So we're, we're pleased that, that we were able to get that a multiple Tony Award winning show uh, here on our stage, and we feel like we can really do it justice here on the White Theater stage. It, it travels so much, that particular show. Uh, uh, I was surprised that you were able to get the rights to it. Yeah, the beauty, I mean, it's interesting, Michael. Some shows are very difficult and some you, you, you can surprise you. Um, uh, if, we, if we go back to earlier in our conversation with Kinky Boots, um, at, at one point it was unavailable, and then I noticed that it was being done someplace in Springfield, so I was able to reach out to the licensing company, <laughs> Music Theater International, and I said, what gives? And suddenly they were like, okay, you can have it. But um, so that took a little bit of pushing. Um, Joseph, um, we got the you know we got the rights for that right away. And I guess you know it, certainly it, 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 one factor is how long the musical's been out there. And and at this point, uh, you know it's not going to step on any other theater's toes. I, I do think that our licensing houses like to try to sort of make sure no one else is doing it. But there's so much stuff out there that the odds of someone doing it around the same time you're doing it are statistics pretty low so it worked out great for us and we were happy to get it a story right out of the old testament based on stories from the old testament and and i'm sure that coat 
uh, I'm sure it'll be spectacular. Yeah, we uh, we actually had a conversation about that today in our production meeting about uh, how how what the coat really needed to be something. So we're we're looking forward to seeing uh, what our costume designer comes up with on that one. I mean, that's kind of the the challenge with a show that's been done and done and done again is sometimes it's fun to try to sort of take a different look at it or approach something in a different way. So it'll be interesting to see where we go on that. Sure. Well, we only have a few minutes, but time goes mm -hmm. fast. I always say this. Time goes fast when you're enjoying yourself. And I'm enjoying <laughs> today. I sure am. Two concerts I want you to mention before our time runs out. Sure. Sure. April 2nd, uh, we've got a great uh, jazz concert called Passion, Prejudice, and Patriotism with uh, jazz pianist Gary Negbauer and his band. Um, and they're going to take a look at some great arrangements to some great Americana stuff, some Broadway stuff, but kind of all of it tying into the songs that shaped our, our nation and and how we embrace those things. But also there are some that, that raise some important issues. And you look back on, you know, music from uh, from uh, some great Broadway musicals like uh, South Pacific, You've Got to Be Carefully Taught, and things like that that actually were pretty progressive about addressing uh, prejudice and, and uh, bias and some of the thornier issues of our evolution as a country so it, it'll be a great exploration of that again that's on April 2nd one night only and then our Kenora Philharmonic who uh, some of your listeners will recognize that term that's a that's uh, they are our symphonic orchestra that that makes its home here at the, at the J at the White Theater at the J and does two two concerts a year and uh, they just did their New Year's their traditional New Year's Day concert on January 1st of course uh, and then they usually come back for a summer concert so on June 4th they'll be doing music that uh, they'll be doing a concert that features the music of Aaron Copeland and um, as you know Michael there's a there's a Yiddish term for a, a young precocious boy called Boychik. Um <laughs> and uh, so the title of this will be the music uh, will be Cowboy Chick because of course a reference to Aaron Copeland's <laughs> Western music sure, uh, sure. which is kind of funny this East Coast, East Coast uh, Jewish man who wrote all this wonderful music that we all recognize instantaneously as being the great music of the Wild West of the great American West but yet uh, written by Aaron Copeland so they'll be doing that music and it'll be a great day here at the J on June 4th 2023 I'm sure it will you you have some wonderful activities down there. I'm happy that I could help uh, publicize some of these yeah. for you down there. It's a it's a great place to see theater. It's a wonderful building. Uh, it's the J. It's located at 5801 West 115th Street, Overland Park, Kansas. And if you map quest things, the zip code helps 66211. Their website, and you can get these dates straight if you weren't able to write them down as Keith was talking thejkc.org and of course the box office number not just for kinky boots but some of these other activities as well I'm sure you can make arrangements uh, as well by calling 913-327-8054 glad that things are going well down at the J and, and, and thank you so much for coming on and uh, telling us all about it lots to talk about uh, I hope your voice isn't hoarse by now. 
My pleasure, Michael. It's <laughs> always a pleasure to, to chat with you, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in a show here. Oh, <laughs> it's been a long time. I was a young person. I was uh, in a few things, but it's been a long time down there. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so Great. much. Great. That's right. The Jazz uh, Canadian is coming up next. He'll be playing some fine jazz for you uh for the next couple of hours in true KKFI tradition, jazz from 1 to 3, the blues from 3 to 6, right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. So until next, we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that cross in the road. I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time.